Hello, Bitcoiners. My name is Ansel Lindner, and this is Bitcoin and Markets. On this show, we honestly explore Bitcoin to the best of our ability. We take a look at stats, metrics, the tech, and the economics behind it all. My goal is to stay ahead of the curve and to take you along with me. Thanks for joining me. Let's go. Market makers, welcome back to the show. What a great Friday. (laughs) A lot of people have mood swings up and down with the price. That used to be me. If we had a long-term sell-off or consolidation, I would get a little bit moody. I would only be really excited when the price was going up. But this time, since I have been calling for this for so long, that uh, I feel vindicated. And man, it feels great, let me tell you. Um, Anyway, so... Yes, we did have a big sell-off in price. We'll go over the price. I have a few other news items for you this week, and we will get on with it. This is your weekly dose of Bitcoin fundamentals and Bitcoin price. I mean, even Bitcoin technical analysis is getting more and more into that realm as well. I'm not a moon boy. Uh, All of those people that you watch on YouTube that are getting the 20,000 views per episode, I mean, I am giving you better information here. Also, you can sign up for the report. You can get better written information. I go a little bit more in depth. It's a great resource. If you want to sign up for that, look to the website, bitcoinandmarkets.com. You'll just see the big red button. Also, if you want to support me making content, please go to bitcoinandmarkets.com forward slash support. There's lots of ways to support the show. My favorite way for you guys to support the show is to share these episodes out with your friends and family and on your social media. That really, really helps me reach more people and overall build this into a bigger thing. Also, you can support with a donation, a direct donation uh, via PayPal or, of course, Bitcoin, or you can join Patreon. And Patreon gives you a lot more um, content for $5 a month. You get uh, not only any sort of member live streams, but you get the audio version of those member live streams where I edit them down and make them quick for you to listen to. Um, And you get the member area on Discord where I drop a lot of extra links from sources around the internet. Good stuff over there on Patreon. Sign up for that. Patreon.com forward slash Bitcoin and markets all spelled out. All right, let's get into the price. All right, guys, let's get into the eToro price talk. eToro is the world's leading social trading platform. You can interact with other traders, follow successful traders, get followed yourself. You can even start with a free demo account. Use my link in the show notes. Right now on Bitstamp, we have $8,042, $8,042. Of course, over the last, what was it, three days, we've had a very big sell-off. Um, we talked about this in depth on the live uh, stream on Wednesday. You can go to YouTube and find my channel, Bitcoin and Markets, and there will be the live stream. Yeah, so we've had this breakdown in price like I've been predicting. We crushed through the 200-day moving average. And it looks like we're heading down on some of these shorter term time frames, the one hour, the four hour, there are uh, some bullish divergences. So I think over the weekend with the CME closing for their, their quarterly contract, you know, the, all of the um, quarterly contracts are closing, then they will, we could see a short term over the weekend bounce, but that will be retraced. Like a scenario could be that we gap up on the CME and then uh, uh, we come back down next week. So I don't think the sell-off is quite over, but I am changing 
my fundamental outlook here. So for a long time, I've been calling for a very sizable breakdown in price that will cause panic and other things. I think this breakdown will continue a little longer, but I am switching bullish here. I'm switching to starting to build the bullish case back. I spent the last two months building the bearish case. Now I'm going to switch and start building the bullish case. I think that we will bottom uh, sometime in the next month and then we will turn around and into the end of the year, we will slowly recover. Okay. And into the halvening, of course. So that is my longer term outlook. I'm still near term bearish. But I'm very close to turning around to uh, straight up bullishness, uh, starting to build that bullish case. Now, remember, as a contrarian, everybody, you know, the, first off, the lion's share of returns in the market will accrue to contrarians, people that are betting against the trend or against the uh, majority of the market. A contrarian outlook is more profitable. And in this case, the contrarian outlook was bearish going back uh, over the last few months because everybody was convinced we are in this bull market. Now, everyone's starting to switch bearish again. I, I even saw a Pompliano tweet that I quoted uh, in a retweet, and he's saying, as the market turns bullish. Now, I thought we were already in a bull market. Everybody was telling me we're in a bull market. In the, on our, one of our live streams, I played a Pompliano clip for, back from May when he was talking about the bull market has begun. And now he's saying, as we begin it, right? Uh, so all of these people, a lot of uh, the uh, big influencers, quote unquote influencers, I think will start taking this bearish tone and people will question if we were even in a bear mark, uh, bull market in the first place. And I talked about this several weeks ago. Uh, so this is starting to take shape. But as they get bearish, I am going to get bullish, okay? And so I am sowing these seeds of the bullish turnaround right now, and uh, I think we will bottom here in the next few weeks, and then we will slowly build a base and um, go back up. There is a possibility that we wick down hard. Uh, I'm leaning against that possibility right now, but we will see what happens in the next few weeks. Okay, so... That's my price. That's all I have. That's all I have on price, guys. Um, let's talk about this mining thing. We need to talk about this mining thing. So there was a story, I believe it was early this week, right as the price was starting to drop, um, about the hash rate pulling back by 40%. And it got, you know, with the price and with all these clicks that were going around, it got shot out there. On a normal day, it wouldn't have caught many people's attention. But since we were in this um, pullback that, you know, people were out there really clicking and reading all the news and they saw this about the hash rate. So, uh, they jumped on it. So what happened was a few blocks were slow. There was just a few blocks that were slow. And the, the way that the calculation of the hash rate works is that, uh, you know, it looks at the recent history of blocks and calculates the hash rate off of that. Longer blocks actually affect that calculation more than shorter blocks. So if the blocks are averaging five minutes, um, you will get a more accurate representation of the hash rate than if it's um, 15 minutes, you know, five minutes longer than normal will affect the calculations a lot more than five minutes shorter. 
Hope that makes sense. But um, it, it was a big nothing burger. No, nothing happened, and the hash rate recovered, and we just had a difficulty adjustment yesterday of plus 7%. So um, hash rate is very strong. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a plateau in the hash rate over the next couple months uh, due to the price pulling back here. And as it does find a bottom, uh, there could be some plateau in the hash rate. But uh, overall, hash rate is strong. Nothing to report. Okay, next item is Backed. And of course, Backed launched on the 23rd uh, to supposedly was going to be a bunch of fanfare, but it nothing happened here. I called this as a non-event, and that's what happened. So we had this huge anticipation, this huge buildup over the last year, you know, lots of talking about backed. Oh, it's from the ICE, the Intercontinental Exchange that owns uh, New York Stock Exchange. And it's, I mean, it's a big traditional markets name that was launching this derivative, their uh, subsidiary called backed. And a lot of people were looking for this to be a big signal uh, and excitement that would get maybe some family offices or hedge funds or other people investing in this. Um, I call this as a non-event because there was this huge anticipation and nothing could live up to the anticipation. Okay. It was a year's worth, nothing they were going to do. I mean, unless they were selling like um, a hundred thousand bitcoins in the first day would that build uh <laughs> you know live up to the anticipation so i knew it was going to be a non-event and uh over a day or two after that uh the price fell because a non-event turned into a negative it wasn't necessarily a sell the news it was just a non-event and what do we do now okay well let's sell so that's what happened I do expect Backed to continue growing. They went from 30 the first day to uh, 60 contracts the second day, and I believe they're up to about 70 or 80 contracts every day. Um, Ledger X started off very slow as well. They're still a little bit slower, um, but they're more than what Backed is seeing right now. So I do expect Backed throughout the end of the rest of this year to continue increasing in volume, and maybe you know we'll see. Someday around the end of the year, maybe they announce some news that they had a thousand contracts in a day. That would be, that would be pretty big deal. So that's the news on backed related to this. Now, CME is also going to be launching their options on Bitcoin starting in early 2020. We don't have an exact date, but they're looking to do this. Now, when we had the futures from CME, we did have, I think, one or two small delays from them, uh, but nothing like this backed stuff. So if CME is saying early 2020, it probably will happen before the happening. Now, this is not going to be a sell the news event. It's going to kind of fly under the radar because uh, Bitcoin is going to be a little bit suppressed during the next few months leading up to that. Also, we're going to start really seeing a lot of happening uh, headlines. So, and also headlines about just Bitcoin being resilient. You know, oh, I thought Bitcoin broke down, but look, now it's back at 10,000 again, right? And so there's going to be a lot of headlines about that, right? As CME is launching even more options. And so we'll see this huge uh, synergy of on ramps and traditional products uh, launching at the same time. Um, maybe even they'll float out something about a new ETF by that time. But uh, for right now, the ETFs are dead. 
To me, that is the bullish case, the bullish scenario moving into the end of the year and uh, into the halvening. Um, I hope that uh, checks with everybody. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, lightning, some exciting stuff with lightning. So there have been a quite a few lightning articles or headlines about the lightning network surpassing 10,000 public nodes. And I like the fact that they are putting out their public nodes because uh, as I've stated here before on the show, there's a big difference between public and private nodes now. We don't know how many private nodes there are. I've estimated in the past about 30,000 uh, because of, um, you know, I use downloads of Zap's client uh, as well as other uh, mobile wallets and things. So I've estimated about 30,000 um, private nodes or total nodes. Uh, I think it could be upwards of 40,000 now. We'll see. Uh, I'll have to redo that analysis here shortly, but. Uh, yeah, so I'm thinking there's between 30 and 40,000 nodes in general. What I would think of these public nodes, I would think of them as uh, businesses or business adoption, retail adoption, some sort of uh, industry adoption. Because if you're a business, you're going to want to have a public node, okay? If you're an individual, you will lean towards the private nodes. And so um, I would think of this pub these public nodes as businesses. And as we are talking about that, the big news here is Fold App. Um, <laughs> they're, they're calling this a DAP, and I like that because, um, you know, we've been told for years about the Ethereum DAPs and their DAP ecosystem and all of this garbage that has come to nothing. Where they have a DAP, it's really a centralized app. Now, this is a centralized app, I guess you could say, but uh, it's... It's interesting that they're using this DAP terminology. So they're doing these payment DAPs. Um, and I think it's a DAP in that it is decentralized. You know, you download it on your phone and then you can use it in a decentralized way. But it, the software is centralized. So um, it isn't really a DAP. Bitcoin is a DAP. Lightning Network is a DAP. These are using Bitcoin and Lightning, but... Uh, they are not technically dApps, but I like that they're using that to take that away from the Ethereum jokers over there. So this Fold app, it is a wallet on your phone and it allows you to spend with some pretty big names here. Amazon, Uber, Starbucks, and Hotels.com, at least in this story that I see right here. So um, this is big news. Um, this They follow Lolly and Lolly is a big company that did the first integration like this, and now there's a competitor here with the Fold app. So I like this. I like seeing these um, payment dApps get out there. And this is another thing that's going to build the infrastructure into the future. So we have the Lightning Network. Of course, we have Bitcoin Consensus Layer. We have Lightning Network. We have these other apps now being built on top of Lightning. So this is a virtuous cycle of infrastructure as well. Now we have, of course, backed and, and CME and other infrastructure plays, uh, from the traditional, from the, uh, institutional side. So we see a lot of this stuff coming to fruition. And I think, you know, as we bottom out in price, like I said, we're building the seeds of the next bull run right now. And this is, uh, going to, uh, kind of, 
form a perfect storm, I think at the beginning part of next year, but uh, we will have to <laughs> obviously continue following that. But this is, this is great. Um, Lightning Network continues to grow. Lightning adoption continues to grow and there's no stopping Bitcoin. All right. Our last topic for the day is going to be a combination Fed and dollar. So from the last update where we talked in depth about the repo markets and stuff, they were giving out 75 billion dollars a day. Now it's, uh, they actually upped that to a possible hundred billion, but, uh, the banks, they're actually not needing the Fed as much right now. Even though they're offering a hundred billion every day now, they have only been seeing the need for 20 billion. That's still a bailout. That's still a need of this liquidity injection, but the need is decreasing. So what does this mean? Well, it means that the banks seem to be stabilizing, okay? Um, and this initial uh, scare of liquidity seems to be contained, quote-unquote contained. Is this going to become a permanent fixture of the market now? Is these Fed lender of last resort type uh, situations where they have to constantly be injecting this liquidity? And what is the long-term effect of this? Um, we have to wait and see. Nobody really knows. We're in uncharted territory. We have the lowest interest rates in the history of humanity. Okay. And nobody knows how these negative interest rates will end up affecting the fabric of the financial system. We can see some of these cracks. This is a big crack, but they have the quote unquote tools printing money <laughs> to lend out to these banks to fill the gap. They, they have that tool right now, but where will it stop? Uh, because it eventually will stop. They eventually will get diminishing marginal returns on all of these things. They're getting diminishing marginal returns on fiscal spending, on QE, on all of these things. And when we get to that point, when the return from like straight up economic return of these policies. We start to get a breakdown in the social policies. So the uh, social policies take up the slack and we see a change in the social policies and a change in the ethical, cultural makeup of these, these societies. And that's, I think, what we're seeing. Like this is the end game of the fiat currency experiment something will break. There will always be something breaking. Uh, perhaps it will be the dollar this time. So let's get into the dollar. So the dollar is in a precarious situation. They don't want the dollar to strengthen very much because it is debt ridden. The government is debt ridden. It can't pay its debts. So it would have to default if the um, dollar got too strong. But <laughs> the if they want to save the monetary system the dollar monetary system they must they must uh support these banks with these repo operations and printing more money and that will be relative it will save the dollar banks and the dollar economy relative to other economies and increase the demand for dollars so it's a very messed up catch 22 type scenario right? They don't want the dollar very strong, but they also want to save the banks. And you have to pick which one. Because if you make the banks and the economy good 
too good relative to the rest of the world, everyone's going to want dollars and that's going to strengthen the dollar. And then you're not going to be able to pay your debts and you're going to have to default. So see the kind of logical chain of events here. Now, we also have to think about how this is going to affect oil because oil is in a very precarious situation too, I believe. Um, we saw after this, the largest single move in oil history with the Saudi drone attacks we talked about in length on the live stream. So you guys can go check that out or join our next live stream for different subjects like that. But the price has retraced that entire gain. The pressure on oil here, the pressure on the price of oil is threefold. One, the dollar strengthening. Two, the economy is slowing down. The global economy is slowing down. So there is less demand for oil in general. And three, these OPEC nations, as their economy slows down and as they have trouble accessing dollars, they're going to pump more oil. So the supply of oil is going to go up. So we have higher supply, lower demand, and a stronger dollar. It's a perfect storm for oil to fall through the floor. And that will have repercussions in its own right, because there's a huge industry, shale industry, that's highly indebted in the U.S. They, I think they need roughly 50 to $60 a barrel oil to you know, keep their debt service going. If it falls much under 50, they will not be able to service their debt. And so what do we see every time it gets close to 50 over the last six months or so is uh, saber rattling in the Middle East. I expect that to continue, but I mean, at the same time, the U.S. has been proven to be inept at all of these different geopolitical and strategic diplomatic situations. Can we even start a war with Iran? I don't know. I mean, the, all of these things around the world are, are building up to this moment where the U.S. is unable to act. The U.S. is unable to act. So <laughs> when will this happen? I don't know. And to be honest with you, I, I think the government is an evil thing. But I'm very interested in how... Trump has been handling this stuff recently. I think it's going to be a landslide victory in 2020 for him. Um, I'm not going to vote. I never vote, but I think it's going to be that. I mean, the only question really is who is he going to endorse in 2024? And will he be vice president? You know, um, this is this is a pivotal juncture for the U.S. and for the dollar. I think the next 12 months. So... <laughs> That's my whole thing about the dollar and the Fed and all this other stuff. That's a wrap for this week, guys. Thank you for joining me. My name is Ansel Linder. This is Bitcoin and Markets. The best thing you guys can do for the show is share it. Word of mouth to help me out. Also, become a patron and get some extra content. That's it for this week. See you next time. Peace. Peace.